Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And we're joined this week by a regular returning guest, Mark. Say hi, Mark. Hello, everyone. It's good to be back on the show. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Dusk City Outlaws. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. On this podcast, we like to talk about games. Uh, yeah, today today is a tabletop episode. Dusk City Outlaws was actually referenced two or three weeks ago when we kind of did our, like... What was it? What was crowdsourcing the big controver- episode? Yeah, there was like a big controversy that was, jeez, uh, what was it? Like it, it was like Pillars of Eternity or something like that. There was just like some weird controversy about it. Well, there were so there we were a couple of things. It. Yeah, there was. <laughs> oh, we didn't we didn't talk about um the uh, there was there was like a Kickstarter ninja type program that everybody thought was stupid, and then there were Pillars of Eternity was on Fig, um and Fig has its own stuff. Right. Um. But uh. But yeah, we talked about that, mentioned it, I backed it, which got me the um, the the kind of the te- playtest materials. We playtested it, the three of us, with uh, with our friend Nick, who unfortunately couldn't be here um, to discuss, but uh, I ran, uh, Buddy, Mark, and Nick played, um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about it. Um, what, were your, what were your guys' impressions? I thought it was a really solid system. Like, a little vague at times, definitely, as someone who tends to run games rather than playing them, I kind of thought the GM agency was lacking. But on the whole, I really enjoyed the system. I think it definitely facilitates the type of play that um, it, it does on the tin, as it were. That makes sense. But, buddy, what were your initial impressions? You know, uh, it reminds me a lot of games that I have played... Uh, like almost kind of unofficial games that I have played in the past, like with my theater kid friends. We actually had a whole Star Wars game before we knew about like the Star Wars D20 system. Uh, and it was all rolled. It was one D6 and it was, it, you just had one D6 and that determined this, the magnitude of your, of like the success of your outcome, right? Like you did something, you rolled a D6. If you got a six, you did well. If you did, you rolled a one, you did poorly kind of thing. Um, uh, it was actually pretty awesome. I was playing a Sith who had a penchant for force cracking people's necks to kill them. It was awesome. But anyway, this this reminds me of that kind of system in that like it's very vague. It's very open ended. Uh, it allows you to think outside of the box, right? You know, a lot of the times when you get some of these systems like Pathfinder or whatever, um, the plethora of rules can draw a pretty elaborate box around your character. Um, this was one where you could kind of uh, come up with solutions or, uh, you know, even problems kind of on the fly. Yeah, and I, I thought it was good because I think initially you guys were playing it a little bit like Pathfinder. Like, you kept asking me about things that were like, like, like at one point I think you asked me to roll a sense motive. I was like, just kind of do it. And it worked. Um, I think you guys got a hand of the mechanics by the end of it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a game that definitely really rewards player agency. And this isn't to be like, oh, player agency is a bad thing or anything like that. But it's like, it, it almost feels like, so for those of you following along at home, who don't have the rules in front of you. It's a D100 system. Depending on your character class, you have a flat percentage to succeed which is in turn modified by uh, circumstance dice, either for bonuses or penalties, as the GM kind of decides. And they are called the boons and complications in the official parlance. 
Right, and so boons and complications, and and they're done pretty well. I think the fact that uh, I I like the fact that it's not just like oh here's a minus ten or a minus twenty. Here's like this die, so luck can kind of carry or destroy you as needed. Yeah, the, the thing that I thought was kind of interesting though is that like I I feel like the the real kind of play in the situations are in those boons and complications, um, because like the numbers are all like the numbers are all very static, right? Like you always have a hundred percent or not hundred or uh, like a, you know, 80% chance to stab someone. If you've got 80% chance to stab on your sheet. And you know, if you hit that number, you will stab them. Um, it just might come with a little bit of twist on it. And the way with the, the luck system works, you get a hundred points of luck that are kind of like both the resource and your hit points. Like you can force roles to succeed in a lot of situations. And so, um, I feel I feel like this it, it kind of drives that almost uh it's something akin to a fail forward system like yeah because because you're rarely ever failing actually all of kind of the 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 drama ends up in in the complication dice um right which I, is interesting and I thought that was cool I think um maybe just because we were playing with a three person group and I don't know if the game is designed around that or not but. It seemed like we were at risk of like, I, I, I guess like a better way of saying this is I think it's the type of game where it's like, okay, here's the job. Let's go find some people who have the skills we need to kind of like bullshit our way through it, where which is like very much um, in theming with the genre as opposed to like, oh, okay, you know, we have a rogue, a paladin, a spell slinger, and a witch multi-classed with, I don't know, a druid, and you have to go find, fight Frankenstein, right? Like, this is like, okay, you need to rob this train, but the complication is it's, like, covered in hookers or something. So you need to go find, like, if you're just coming up with characters for the session, and it's very easy to do that. I think the system really facilitates, like, kind of, it definitely is a theater kid type of game, and I think yeah, it the, like the perks. The, uh... The kind of kind of soft pitch for this is that um, it's a game that you can pull off the shelf and just play when you haven't done it. When no, you want to play a tabletop game or an RPG, but no one's done any prep work. Um, essentially, character creation is picking a, a job and a cartel, and then building a little bit of personality into that. And then the GM reads the scenario, the, the written scenarios, and uh, or he's called the Silver Judge. Um, in uh, in in this case the silver judge is actually the god in the universe too so you know that's 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 kind of kind of funny yeah um but um i i i thought that uh i i feel like that's all really good and and fine and well um but i do think it needs a careful hand i i don't think i actually handled the game as well as i could have i think i let you guys kind of dilly dally a little bit too much in different ways i think that i let you guys get a little bit with a little bit too much planning outside the planning sessions and i also think i should have been stricter with what you did with your with your legwork sessions yeah, i think i let I, those those ride a little bit too long I, I kind of agree with that i think it's just really unnatural for people to like have the planning and the execution phases like that's not like a normal gameplay sort of thing you know it, yeah. maybe it is with some groups but i think I, I mean, it's really, supposed to... I really like that. I think that's a good system, and if it's, like, enforced properly, I think it, you know, has way more upsides than downsides. Yeah, I think it's an excellent system. It's just, it, it's, 
it's it's a fantasy setting, so I think people are expecting a little bit more D and D out of it, where it's more like it, it's a heist, ge- like it's primarily a heist game with with medieval, you know, like with uh, medieval trappings. fantasy flavor, yeah, and trappings rather than yeah. being a medieval fantasy game with heist trappings. So yeah, I definitely feel that. I also, I you know, it becomes very clear to me as I read some of these other class uh, descriptions that you are not meant to marry yourself to your class as much as. In other games, like, this is very much a game where, like, I maybe build a, we, you know, like, we, you know, there are one GM and then there are four of us and then each of us kind of builds a stable of a couple of different characters that we could bring on to any individual heist, right? Um, because even though I kind of feel like every specialization is, like, useful, uh, you, you are setting a lot about how your plan goes into action based on what you, what classes you walk into it with. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, whereas, yeah. like, you know, characters in other settings are typically a little bit more rounded and can handle uh, and can kind of handle more punches thrown at them. Yes, I, I kind of think that the game, speaking of that, I think the game would almost be better if, like, here's the scenario, who do you bring? Like, it, just because, like, I think when it's kind of deftly handled with the complication dice, like, that sort of gives the players the agency they need to bring the character they want rather than like, oh, we brought four brawlers to this, like, diplomacy mission. I guess we're punching our way through it, right? Like, that's... So so I think there are a couple uh, protections for that built in. Um, you are supposed to bring characters with different jobs and, um, like, there's, like, and different cartels. I think you're allowed to have a couple people from the same cartel and they're also going to publish rules for a mode they call Turf Wars, which everybody will be in the same cartel. Um, but um, I think the other part of that, too, is that every scenario has a line that you're supposed to read to the players. Um, like, while essentially, you pull the box off the shelf, you say, we're going to play some Dusk City Outlaws tonight, and, you know, you guys make your characters while I read the scenario, and then I read the line at the top of the scenario, you guys go make your characters, and then I start reading the rest of the scenario figure out what's up and then hopefully like 15 minutes later everybody's good to go um and i think maybe so that the let me uh let me go find it but the the canal job i think did a a, a decent job with that um I, yeah I, I thought that was pretty good i thought the introduction was pretty satisfactory yeah, also, and, and the the canal job was also nice because it was very all purpose. You know what I mean? Like, I I, th- I think you could walk into the canal job with basically any specialization and be fine. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, I, I thought that it was. So I, I have to wonder, like Mango, like how much of that was like pre prepped for you? So the, so yeah. so just just for a little bit of context, the the thing I told you guys at the beginning, and like the tell the players line is this job involves the theft of an extremely well guarded tax collection while it's in transit between impenetrable locations. Um, and then after that, it gives me a bunch of, like, um, information about the different aspects of it, like, what's happening at the, uh, like, what what's the story on where the taxes come from, where it goes, what's up with the taxes and how those work, um, what's up with the, the, the boat, what's up with some of the characters involved. But it's all, like, kind of information for me to, like, process and chew on, um, but I, part of it is supposed to be like part, part of what makes, what is supposed to make this game manageable, um, on a kind of like a pick up and go type level is some of the details are supposed to be farmed out to you guys too. Like, um, if you remember the first thing buddy wanted to do was, uh, was go find a bar near, near to the, the depository 
and talk to somebody about it, right? Um, and the way that's supposed to go is, uh, is, you know, is there a bar nearby? Yes, tell me about it, right? And I put that back onto you guys so that you can, like, um, be, I think because it's more of a story-driven game, like, the these convenient plot details are there for you guys to, like, if you say, is this this way, in general, the answer is going to be yes, um, if it pushes it, there's a, there's a mechanic called dumb luck that we didn't end up using there. But what I, I is that just for kind of completion. So dumb luck is if there's something that needs like that, that probably needs a roll, but like doesn't have any like other governing rules to it, is um the player spends ten luck and then rolls a d100, and if they roll under their current luck, it's there. Okay, that that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, oh, you, sorry, buddy. Yeah, I mean, and I also think part of it uh, comes down to, like, for instance, I think that it would have gone a lot. It would have gone a lot different uh, had we chosen different uh, classes, because you know the 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 classes very much narrow down what you can't, like how you can approach problems, right? Um, but so do the cartels, which I thought was was interesting. I didn't realize the cartels would be as useful and as like. Do, do, you know, the, 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 a lot. You know, a lot of the times. Um, so, for instance, in Pathfinder, right? Like, your your character is defined almost entirely by their class, right? Um, and a little bit by you know, like your race or whatever. But I very much felt that in this game, uh, you kind of had fifty fifty with your cartel and your class, uh, or and your specialization uh, or specialty. Specialty, I guess. yeah. Um, and so. That dynamic was something that was a little bit unexpected, but also kind of like put a little bit more of like the world in your control, which I thought Actually, was kind of neat. I really like that. I like the classes uh, <clears throat> insofar as it's like, you know, your cartel plus your class actually did have a very interesting synergizing effect. Whereas like in most games, it's like pure stats, but this was actually like skills and theming. And I thought that was really, uh, really cool and really effective. Yeah, I, I I really like the um the, the like the the biggest I think aspect of the cartels um beyond their kind of like one special ability is is what you know about and I think that puts a lot of flavor into the characters immediately. Right, um, like and, like the gun stuff or the, oh yeah yeah, yeah the what you know about like that yeah, is that is pretty neat. It puts a lot of flavor and it also does um you know at the very beginning of the or at, when you're investigating a subject you can almost immediately be like. Well, what what would my character know about this? It's like, well, you know, like like I have on these, on each of these sections in the scenario, I have um like, for instance, the armored gondola, and then uh it says members of the crew who know about the canals know these things, and I have a couple of things that I can read to you about exactly about the gondola that you would just know kind of by being a member of the family, which is I believe who who know about the canals, uh, and stuff like that, which I think is awesome. Yeah, I think, um, see, it is, it's a very weird interaction, and this is something we could probably do, like, you know, a full episode uh, on in the future. It's something that I have a very hard time wrapping my head around, especially as, like, uh, as a GM, where I want to be in control of everything, and so the detail farming out to players is a very awkward, weird interaction. You know, like, because how, how much are you, are you god modding, you know, like, and that's a... That's a problem. 
to a certain extent that is that is solely a result of playing in games like Pathfinder where almost all of the details are decided by uh, are decided by the GM. So, so you you view this as a flaw of the system, or do no? You I, I don't actually. I think it's a flaw almost in my mindset. Uh, I think this is created because of me as a, um, you know, like as a player, I'm so used to not making these decisions that when I'm asked to make these decisions, I I'm uncomfortable with that request. Oh, that's that's interesting. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily mind it, right? But it definitely caught me off guard, and it was something I had to kind of think about. It was like, okay, well, what can I do that's not... You know, there's there's almost an instinct to power game when you get that kind of just, like, blank check control over yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, I think that that is the, ob- like the worst way to... Appra- this is not a game where, you know, you can't... If you come into this game looking to power, power game, you're not going to get any satisfaction out of it. I just, like, it, the system isn't built for that. Yeah, um, no, ab- absolutely. No, I don't know. Yeah, we, I, we also didn't I, see regular. Actually, dis- I actually do disagree with that as far as like power. <laughs> like, in terms of like min maxing, the game just won't let you do that. But on the other hand, like or like rather, the game and a GM who is not a doormat won't let you do that. And I think that's great, especially because it's like this is definitely more of a theater kid than it is a Captain Crunch game. And that said, though, it's like. When you have, like, a 90 percentile and an 80 percentile with a few skills, like, if you're of the power, like, I'm more of the power game mindset than, you know, some of our players, definitely. And for me, it's like, well, I see what works on my sheet. I'm just going to try and do as much of that as I can. And, you know, were I not also, like, I feel like jumping down this mine shaft, this sounds like a good idea. I'm actually not secret Hitler, but I'm going to vote, you know, fascist every time. Is like, I feel like there. I feel like you can totally power game this. I feel like the mechanics are such that like, it's very very hard for a GM to restrain players that don't want to be restrained. Oh, see, I feel like it's exceptionally easy. All you have to do is introduce like a billion complications all the time. Yeah, but like, I just feel like that's the, the, not really the, the true. other part. Of, the other part of this too is so something that I I actually felt while running this is that it was hard for me to maintain tension, um, in the first. So, I think maybe you guys just got really lucky because, like, the maximum amount of dice you're supposed to have, like, is, is up to four boons and four complications. Um, but I think you guys just didn't roll a lot of complications, even though they have, like, a 60% chance to proc. Um, yeah, I mean, we might, have, we might have gotten lucky, but I also do think that it's, like, I, I just don't think the system is... It, the system is designed, like, like you said, it's a fail-forward system at worst. At its best, it is very much in the player's favor, because like it's I, I'm I'm guessing like if I had to look at this from like a very top down game design perspective, it's like really supposed to foment player agency and really encourage them to like. Well, yeah, I definitely agree with that from the perspective yeah. of you have a fifty fifty chance of succeeding at anything baseline, right, right, or like or higher at the shit that you're supposed to be good at, and I think that's I think that's real neat, and I you know if we're trying to tell a story, that's awesome, but it's just like. You know, I, I could probably just have done dumb shit the whole game and succeeded reasonably well, and I think that's kind of, I, I, I don't know, I feel like you have to kind of really know the people that you're playing with before you go into this, because, like, all it takes is one chuckle fuck to, like, be like, man, I'm here to win, and... 
I'm 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 curious. I I think I I'm kind of curious as to maybe like I feel like I mishandled something because I I watched I watched a couple of these games um streamed uh before I ran it to try and get a feel for it and um maybe it's just the type of players they had but it, it seemed like the tension was was all there and, and correct and it seemed to not have this kind of power gamey problem and I don't I can't quite put my finger on. What what the so issue mean, there power is? Power gaming problem in the sense that like their players were just like struck down for power gaming. No, or... I, I, so it's 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 almost like I don't know. Like like no one said in none of these games that anyone, was anyone like you know I try and like you know I try and talk the guy into suicide or something yeah like that. something like that yeah. Um, and so I, I never saw a GM have to be like, that's not going to happen. Um, which right. which I, I guess, but, but it's not like, it's not like you guys were doing that kind of stuff, but I also feel like I didn't maintain the right level of tension in order for the game to, 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 to really shine. Um, I mean, yeah, but to I, a certain I, extent, and you know, I'm going to pat myself a little bit on the back here. I actually did think we did do a pretty good job of like, like, like for instance, there was that one part in the middle where we were kind of, uh, we were kind of, conning like sir arthur what's his face and that story that was being made in the moment was kind of so like logically airtight that i felt like it almost would have been like a tragedy contrived well yeah because well, yeah, the thing is is well, like and, and i think that's, that's why you play tabletop right like it's you can't have it go perfectly fine all the time. Like, you have to introduce complications. Yeah, sure, sure. Sake. But, I, you know, for instance, I think there was a lot of tension when it came to, like, that weird prison sequence of events, right? Like, that was where – that's where things got, you know, kind of uh, – they, they went a little bit crazy, right? Um, but that's also yeah, something yeah. that you expect, right? Like, we kind of walk into that with the expectations, right? Okay, this one probably isn't going to go super right, right? But there not being a lot of tension when it came to lying to the to the Arthur guy to convince him to do a thing was just, a, like, a natural conclusion of how well I thought we had set that up, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I just, like, I, I almost feel like we didn't really do the legwork on that that we could have during the planning session. It was just sort of, like, kind of, like, by the seat of our pants that ended up working out pretty well. And that's fine, right? Like, I'm not saying like, it has to be like, oh, no, if you ask the lady at the ice cream shop for ice cream, she might poison you if you don't roll well. Like, it's it's not really that type of game. And that's fine. I'm just saying more along the lines of, like, in, you know, with respect to Mango's perspective on tension, I think tension is, like, something that the game can maintain very well if... I guess my I guess what I'm saying is like I think Mango did did do a good job at make, trying to maintain attention. I just think like maybe player engagement can be kind of a problem when either either the scene is not geared towards their environment or it's like yeah. I think that yeah. there, you have uh, the the other part of this which is interesting is that you can't. It's harder for you as a judge to put us in a situation where we are not proficient because we choose the terms. You know what I mean? Every legwork scene is us choosing where to go and how to act. And so we're, we're always kind of framing this, right, in, in, a, in, a, in a situation to, like, we always have the home field advantage, right? Um, there might be a way that, like, you know, like, maybe you could do that. Maybe there are rules for that, right? Like, if something had, brought, had, had uh, broken out in a brawl, I would have been pretty fucked. 
Um, I think we all would have because none of us were really combatants in any way. Um, and that would have made things, you know, that would have made things a little bit. See, so so may, maybe I was just adjudicating it wrong, but I tried to make that happen. And Mark, and then Mark's character ran away, which is something he's supposed to be able to do. But I don't like, like, right. I, like at the like, same time, it's like, you can't just say like, oh yeah, you're good at running away. So you run away. Like. Yeah, like you like, know what I was thinking by the way that might be extremely yeah. you, you know what I mean that might be extremely helpful. I've played I've played in kind of games like this before and I actually think that having um like uh like uh this is you're going to not agree with this but having having a battle map and figures and everything like that is actually useful for a game like this. You just don't have a grid Right, and you just kind of have the GM as the okay. This is how far you get. This is how far you can go. Right to to allow people to visualize the space in a better way. Um, it's that that's you know it's it's kind of counterintuitive to the uh, the the mindset of um, you know oh we're just gonna pick this up and play kind of things. But I think it would definitely be like a helpful uh, yeah in a in a in a true sense. I actually think that like just a little bit more guidance from from the devs on how to resolve these drama scenes might be the actual uh, uh, the right way to the, to kind of do it. Like maybe just a little bit more crunch from the devs on on how you want that to act out, especially for pers- um, for pursuit scenes. Because maybe I missed it, but I I don't see anything in here on on how to deal with pursuits, and I think that's a natural. Way, way to turn like you know mark tries to run away um then it turns into a pursuit and i think a couple of like standardized rules in there would make that feel a little bit more satisfying if that makes sense yeah that's fair um i, I also think that i also think that the, the the villains are not like i think they have the problem of the players you know how the players you were saying that the players try and do everything that they're good at and avoid the the 50% stuff as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I think this is even worse on the terms of the villains because the villains have, like, one or two things that they're good at. And it's usually, like, stabbing and punching and then 40% on everything else. Um, or, like, one punch and then, like, one, like, mental combat thing. Um, and, yeah, that's... that's um, That, I think, contributes to the flavor, but, like... In like a pursuit th- pursuit scene, like I don't know, may- maybe the answer there is for is for me to ad hoc grant them a skill that would be relevant and say that they've got better, uh, better there. That like you know, like the the cop chasing down Mark, his one skill was seventy percent saber slash. Um, so like that's but mango, uh, but mango, but mango, the the contract. This game doesn't work like the that. The contract mango. I mean, this is the same principle. This is the same principle no, that you I, yelled at me for. All no, right, I, I, it's in, in, cheating in order to give tension to the scene. This is exactly what we were talking no, about. But, but I, <laughs> I, 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 no, 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 no. Like you're absolutely right, but that's I think that's appropriate for this this type of game. <laughs> like, I, I think the contract in this one kind of explicitly states that there is almost no contract. Like. The rules here are not designed to be like they're not simulationist in nature. They're they're storytelling. It's it's to barely codify the story you're trying to tell. And I think to that extent, like that is the contract, right? If, if the mechanics are so bare bones that it's like you roll some dice with no modifiers, you just roll them, and then the you know it's like 
you're basically pulling everything out of the hat anyway, so as long as you don't just lie on the rules, it's like, well, that is the contract. It's the contract is that there there is no contract. There's not like this elaborate system for like pissing into the wind and taking d6 damage because you slip, right? Yeah, I also th I, I think like one half of this is that this this game is is more is more amenable to those types of changes, and two I think the other part of this is, um, I think that as a system in beta that some of these issues might not have been spotted by the developers, and so it's it's kind of on on me as 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 a as a GM or whatnot to kind of try and plug those gaps. Um, before they get like the feedback to kind of do that, like and and I do plan on at posting on a forum or something uh, to to try and hash this out, see if I can get the ear of somebody um, to see if uh, to see if, if if anybody else has solutions for this or if, if they're aware of this or whatever. Because I think that's kind of the point of having this be a play test is so they can they can uh, farm feedback, um, and so um, it's kind of on like a philosophical level, I think. Changing things on the fly in a beta system is is all is is base a lot more okay. But enough of uh, philosophical arguments about sacred <laughs> contracts. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how sacred uh, is the contract if you know you're gonna just I, I shit all over it on the beta mango? Come on, you I gotta don't, stick I mean, to your guns, dude. I don't, I don't think the contract, the contract makes good toilet paper. I don't, I don't think the contract is sacred in this system. Like straight up, I, I just like. The purpose of, of this game is to be more of a collaborative storytelling experience than it is, to, like, it is less of a gamist game, and so naturally the, the contract's going to be a little bit weaker, um, and I think that's fine. I think Pathfinder and D&D &D are some of the, the, the more, the, the gamier uh, games out there, and so I think the contract's a lot stronger. Yeah, there's a part of me that wants to systemize this game a little bit harder. Right, like I see the appeal of this game, and it makes me want to do things like, well, you know, like maybe we should, you know, like maybe I could add a couple of systems to make it a little bit more robust. You know what I mean? And like, oh, well, playing on a kind of gridless battle map would actually be pretty, pretty strong, I think. But also at the same time, I don't know that uh, I don't know if that would kind of ruin the ruin the charm. Yeah. Like I, I very much like the idea of here's a bank, you gotta rob it. Right. And you, you know, you give them however much time to do their kind of planning and legwork. But most of it is this is the kind of floor plan to the bank. And here are all these civilians and here's the manager and kind of taking it through them with taking it through them step by step. I think there's actually a lot of awesome to be had in that. Like with props? Or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like with like like with a map and with like props and stuff like like uh, like a more traditional uh like a more traditional game would, uh, like a more traditional tabletop would have. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, uh, if that would kind of bog things down a little bit too much. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of like the level, I honestly kind of like the level abstraction. Like, if I want a battle map and some stuff like that, like, at the bare minimum level, I'd like to play Shadowrun. But, like, with this, it's like, I don't need a map. See, 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 my, see my, my issue mind. with Shadowrun and with Pathfinder for this kind of thing is because those those games aren't as flexible, they are inherently more restrictive, right? Like, I like the idea of almost merging the two such that I'm in a world where, you know, I as a thief have an ability that says I just get in here, right? I get into any building without without anyone noticing or triggering, like, 
the alarm kind of thing. Um, and I think that, that all of that, you know, all of that works really well, right? Like planting something on someone works really well. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's... So, I, I, so thinking about it more, I think, I think part of the issue was, is where I, where I spent my heat in a lot of ways. Um, like, I think, let's say instead of spending it where I did, which was kind of like a place where like you had the opportunity to kind of just mood it anyway, anyway, by running away. Um, if instead, like I had saved up a little bit more and introduced one of the big plot twists. Um, so, um, spoilers for the scenario in the play, the play, uh, the, um, the, uh, the print and play. Um, if you plan on running it and you don't want your, and you don't want to know what one of the provided twists is, um, I'll, I'll put a timestamp, I'll, I'll mark it somehow. Um, but one of the, one of the twists is, um, is I can spend, uh, 20 heat and, uh, I can have anarchists, um, uh, anarchists have, uh, also caught wind of this and they have replaced one of the guards and they've set up a bomb inside of the gondola. Um, oh, well that worked out well in our favor actually. Right. But like you would have had to deal with that on the fine. You couldn't just run away from it cause you needed to finish the job. Right. You would have had to deal right. with this additional threat. Right. 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 Okay. And so like, even if I had spent the same heat, I did like, you know, I spend the heat at the gondola job and like, you know, maybe like halfway through she shows like the, the, the dredgers show up and are like, no, we're not letting you get away with this at like, you know, she, she had seen you earlier somehow and she knows what you're up to. Cause she can see who uh, the right type of people are. Um, and uh, uh, then she, then like she shows up at the gondola scene and that makes it a lot, makes that scene cook a lot better because one, a bunch of you are there. So it's affecting everybody instead of just you and half of Nick. Um, and, uh, two, you're kind of forced to deal with it rather than just be like, well, I'm out, um, and run away. See, I think that's actually kind of the trick of the system. In fact, it's funny because, um, uh, that's a very, that, that's a very like makes sense thing, uh, to my ears because in kind of like traditional story structure, you always have a twist somewhere in your third act, right, to to like you know but the, something that the heroes don't expect so that the, you know okay so uh an example of this uh an example of this is uh man of steel okay so man of steel you walk into the third act right okay we need to, to defeat this like crazy world laser that's destroying our world and turning it into krypton right so the the good guys put this plan into action um and the plan succeeds they defeat the you know superman does it in the indian ocean uh they they blow up the one in metropolis okay good according to the plan everything has gone according to plan the day is saved right the twist in the third act is that zod is still alive and zod is a godlike being who can kill everyone on earth unless superman 1v1s him essentially and ends up killing him right uh another example of this now that i think about it from uh you know the 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 uh, the tape reveal the the um the spoiler civil war the tape reveal for Tony Stark that turns Tony against Captain America in the Winter Soldier. The plan was go here and everybody's working together. And then the twist in the third act up oh, all of a sudden the heroes now have a new threat that they have. And it's the biggest stakes razor, right? I think that kind of thing uh, makes a lot of sense. But the, the 
what makes it interesting is you have to make a twist that is like defeatable, right? If you had just planted 20 minions on that boat, we would have lost because we just were not good at fighting minions and we just would have died, right? Mark almost did die anyway. Um, well, that's kind of my fault for doing like dumb shit, which is, I guess, like a counterpoint to my initial like, statement that it was like I felt too invincible. Well, I'm, I, I, I think, really but true. so, so the reason I burned through all of your luck was like, I was like, I was so, so, so the kind of thing that's entirely in my power is how long that chase scene goes on for in that scene. And like, I wanted it to feel impactful. Um, so I just kind of had it go until I thought I had done enough damage to you, which is not a great way to, to, to resolve that scene, but that's like the only thing I could think of to kind of like make something happen in the game that wasn't just going your guy's way. Oh, interesting. Which, I, I, you know, I think part of it, uh, you know, for instance, I think something that would be uh, kind of cool or interesting would be to lock a certain player up. You know what I mean? Like, well, so, so that's kind of what I was, uh, I was thinking of trying to do was, was, but like, I couldn't, like, I can't in the, in the, in kind of the, 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 the way that the system goes, I can't, um, like, like once Mark hits zero, I still have to like hit him a bunch, a couple times in order to like get him to that point. Um, and because of the way that the kind of the villains are rolled out, like, like a, taking someone into custody, I guess would have had a 40% chance. Um, and it's not something I had anticipated ahead of time. So I didn't, I, I, I was just kind of trying, trying it by the seat of my pants as well. And so. I think, like, you know, almost every time I tried to do something that wasn't, you know, use my saber, it failed. So I, it felt like I couldn't actually get any of that stuff. I wouldn't have been able to get any of that stuff done. Um, well, so, well, you know, I, so I think there are a couple of different options, um, but it, it is tough to kind of, like, get there on the fly. Like, I think you could have given him, like, a permanent wound that would have, like, for instance, if you give him a thing that says, like, uh, you know, like, yeah, you take an arrow to the leg that's not going to heal. And so this, you know, like, you're not going to succeed at run actions for the rest of, you know, for the next couple of days. Or, you know, like, something along those kinds of lines, right, uh, that, that would uh, eat into uh, his abilities or any of our abilities. Um, like, I think that stuff yeah. would have been smart. Something, but so something that I think would be cool is someone gets taken into custody and you have to spend the next planning session left over you know like whatever the next session is you lose it right so you lose a session for legwork or planning uh because you have to go out and recruit a replacement um yeah, yeah the, the the legwork is busting him out or or uh or recruiting right you know else. so you're killing yeah. so you know you know you're kind of killing time with that right um yeah i think you know i think that there are uh i think that there are a couple of a couple of different options uh i think in fact i actually think that if anybody were to run this i would very much encourage them to kind of look into uh, just like a, you know, like the basic three-act structure of a story in general so that they can have a good understanding of like what things are supposed to look like or what things look like in the context of other stories so that they can, you know what I mean? Like if you get to about that halfway session and you're like, okay, you know what I mean? Like I think that they've been chugging along at a pretty good pace. I'm going to throw them a big pig power curveball that they're probably not going to walk away from unscathed, right? That kind of sense. That is what... Um, the conflict in the street was supposed to be. It was supposed to be kind of like this, like kind of like brawl erupts on the street, and you guys are caught in the middle of it. Um, and and again, I, I really think a big part of this is that um, is that there wasn't a good way to systemize Mark. Like like 
I was thinking about like, so, so the standard thing is when you take a wound, every roll you get from that point on has a comp, an automatic complication attached to it. Right. I, um, I, I actually thought the system was fairly elegant. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think that's a good way to do it, but I also felt really bad. Like just kind of like having you not get away until like I beat you enough that that happened. Like it, right. it didn't, it didn't feel like I was doing that. Like it felt like that was me totally arbitrarily just like saying you didn't get away until, until that happened. And if like, maybe there was uh, like a, I would have felt better about it. This, this goes back to my, to my, to my, you know, my level of, of game, gamist playing and my level of, of wanting to enforce, I'm wanting to enforce a sacred contract that isn't exactly there. It's like, if there has been a system that was like, oh, if you roll three successes on a getaway, you get away. And if you don't, uh, or in, until you hit that point, you're kind of at the mercy of whatever. would have felt a little bit more, uh. Yeah, I would have felt better about like beating Mark until 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 that happened. And if he got away, I would have been like, "Well, that's the thing." And that, yeah, know, I feel like another I way to see that would be okay. to like waste turns, right? Like, oh, what's her face pulls out some bolas and trips him up, right? So you can't run on your next turn. Your next turn, you have to untangle yourself from bolas, and they catch up and they start beating the shit out of you, kind you, of you thing. Just yeah, like, want to say well, bolas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the. <laughs> The, ha- the part of that, though, is she pulls out some bolas, and then she rolls not under a 40, and so it doesn't matter. Like, hey. the, like, like you know, especially with the first time running a system, I try and run it as close to the to the rules as written as possible. So I, I still don't get why you wouldn't let me just pull out my gun. <laughs> so so that I, I was I was comfortable with doing because, like, I the influence tokens are, in general, I think, supposed to be not things that you can do at a moment's notice. It's supposed to be stuff that um like stuff that you can spend uh like in kind of in prep right like this whole game is basically around like getting being ready for whatever life's gonna throw at you not reacting to it with like with with, with these influence tokens if that makes sense yeah i think the influence tokens are interesting uh but i yeah I feel like I don't. I I have uh, I have very mixed feelings about them. I would like influence. I would like there to be more influence tokens, but I think that they need to be spent a little bit more deliberately. Um, so I, I think part of this. I think part of this too, which is actually kind of related, is you guys didn't really grab at a lot of opportunity. Like, so the big way you're supposed to earn influence tokens is by doing daring things. You did things very safe. And because of that, you didn't generate a lot of excess heat, and so I didn't have as much of my resource to play around with. Oh. Kind of in, in, like I, so I think a big part of this, I think, is that three players might be at like a sour spot, um, in kind in terms of kind of like, like two you generate faster, four is four is good sort of thing. Or? Like like four, so every every legwork scene or planning scene, you or every day and night segment scene, you generate one heat per player plus whatever extra heat for being conspicuous in the district plus whatever heat for like doing minor crimes right like if you robbed a noble you generate some heat if you killed an innocent you generate some heat but you guys were very diligent about never generating that inconspicuous heat you had your costume ability and the rest the other because you had your costume ability it was always you could always get two people on the job with no extra heat generated Right. Um, so, so like, do, how do you, how do you feel about that? Like the sense that um, the heat system relative to, I, I like the, I said, I think three players might be a little bit of a sour spot because that's like that's only three heat per segment. Um, whereas, whereas like four, or five, four, like four, I think I would have gotten a little bit 
yeah, four or five, I think it would have gotten enough per, per segment. And I think there's also, like... You know, I, I actually, I, I do agree with you that I think that three is a sour spot. It was also three that I felt like there was a lot of overlap. Like, there was overlap between me and Mark, and then there was overlap between Mark and Nick. Um, which, you know, if Mark had played a, you know, brawler. whatever. A brawl, yeah, right. If Mark had played a brawler, I feel like we would have had, like, three kind of unique, not a lot of overlap characters. Um, like, we're all faces, basically. I mean, like, the whole game is faces. Like, there's, like, with the exception of, I think, the brawler, it's basically everyone can, like, bullshit. Well, you know, this is actually something that I wanted to bring up, uh, which I thought was very interesting, which seems to be that, unlike D&D... Everyone is faces except for one or two people that are hardcore combat specialists, which I think is interesting because it's the opposite, right? Like in D and D, typically you have a you, everyone is combat and then one face. Uh, but yeah, I actually do kind of like it. Like I like the idea that you bring along your brawler because you expect this mission to to you know turn nasty, and this guy is just gonna one v eight because you know like seriously, like the brawler rules are ridiculous. Ninety percent chance to hit this flurry of attacks thing, lightning reflexes, weapon master, right? Like he just. He fucks Stops. shit up, yeah. Uh, the Assassin is a lot like this, too, right? The Assassin has this silent takedown thing where, like, if you're, uh, 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 you can decide that neither you or your target make any noise as a part of the attack, so you can just kind of, you can just kind of kill people, uh, without triggering. I, you know, like, I, I think that that, I think that that is a, uh, that, that, that's a version of the system that I would really, really like to see, uh, exploded out a little bit, right? It makes me very interested to see what the other specializations are. Um, you know, we uh, we talked on the stream that, like, Poisoner is a specialization that we didn't see, but I really wonder what other specializations are out there, uh, specialties are out there uh, to play. Yeah. Um, oh, there's, uh, I think there's, I, I think, I, I think with this experience, I think the next time I ran this, I could... I could shape it a little bit better. Um, and so I'm interested in that. Maybe, maybe if, uh, uh I, I so think this is like something you said, Mango really early on, um, when you're playing this game is like, we, we often bullshit a lot about having sequential GMs or like we rotate in different people for different parts of an adventure path or, you know, campaign or something like that. And that like this system would really bet that well, simply because different people are going to have different ideas for heists and, have a good chance to mix different types of characters. And I think, like, running it again with that knowledge in mind would be extremely effective. Like, I, I do think that this is the type of game that, like, you get to put everyone's creativity on screen. Yeah. You know, um, you know what's also I, interesting, yeah. by the way, is, uh, you know, you originally pitched this as a game that would be cool to play with a rotating GM. I actually don't agree with that. I think that this I, game would be awesome to play with one... GM and a string and I the you know the part of me is because I, you know I get very grandiose about some of this stuff but I love the idea of running individual sessions that are kind of mini heists right like you steal you know you steal a cannon then you steal gunpowder then you steal cannonballs then you steal a dragon ship and then you be, you, you know and then you put them all on this dragon ship and the and the big final bombastic heist is uh you know you are now you are now pirates after putting all of the pieces together kind of thing, right? I think See, that I, I kind feel of like thing that's would be kind of, awesome. I feel like that's a little bit antithetical to the idea of the system, though. I think... What yeah, the, the, I like... I, I feel yeah. like the way that wants to play out is, like, you know, you have to go pirate this ship, and, you know, maybe one crew goes and, like, 
three legwork scenes are stealing a cannon, stealing gunpowder, and stealing a dragon ship. Maybe another one is like you know convincing a private, like, you know convincing the uh, the docksmen that um, that these throw, pose a real danger, getting the city watch to get the get to them, and then like um, getting like diving gear and going and retrieving it from the bottom of 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 the uh, of of the uh, of the the harbor. Um, like I, I actually think that kind of like these mini goals that you're talking about is a little bit away from what the system wants you to do. Interesting. Yeah, I would. I, I don't. I don't necessarily see it that way. Uh, I especially like it because I like the idea that everybody has a roster of. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, let's say those first three are uh, those first three are simultaneous. Well, that means for the first job you have to choose one of your three characters. For the second job you have to choose a different. Yeah, each person has to choose a different character because their first one is simultaneously doing this other heist right the third one uh now you're just stuck with whatever comp you've kind of left yourselves with for this uh for this third one right and then complications that that maybe arise in the first two you know what i mean can affect the third you know what i mean like i think that playing with that kind of stuff would be super cool i would be super down for that I, i see that um I I I think there's a lot of interesting things to do. I also do like um the the author published like a, a first draft of the campaign rules and they do look neat. Um, essentially they involve uh the the first set of uh, uh or like the the first the first heist you go on, everybody becomes a core member of that crew, and then you can either play your character or make a new one for the next one. And um, if you make a new one at the end of that session, that character either becomes like a recurring character or they become a core member of the crew and your old character becomes like a recurring recurring characters have um, their own rules. Like they're like people on the offside that you can pull in. And then at a certain point, they kind of reach the end of their character arc and they get sent off for some reason. Like, um, uh, like you're supposed like th- this is, this is very like story, like uh, uh, theater kitty, but it's like, you know, after they've helped you, like, I think it's three or five, I can't remember which times, um, they get, like, a final scene where, like, they've been kidnapped by the bad guy, and you need to rescue them, and then they decide, I'm, I'm out for now, you know, I'm, I'm out, and then they exit the, the kind of world forever, um, and I, I, I think that's, uh, I think that, that whole system is really cool, um, the thing I'm not as crazy about with it is that the kind of character advancement and the way you spend XP is a little bit less tangible because um, I, I agree with his the, the designer's initial assessment is you're already a badass. Like, you're supposed to be it kind of like... So so how so what is the actual experience system like? Because I was about to touch on the idea of, like, how do you progress in this game? Because it seems like that's not really the point and that's fine, but, you know, it, so, it's, it's um, got to be there almost. Yeah, so you get experience with completing the job and doing bonus objectives, most of which you guys missed, but you did get to deliver the 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 gondola objective um and you get the experience gets spent on either like improving your relationship with the different cartels or you can spend it on things like calling in a favor or uh it's 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 i it's all like temporary things that give you advantages um that you kind of spend it's 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 much more like um a currency kind of kind of like Gold coins in John Wick. Uh, yeah. Dude, that is actually holy shit. That's actually awesome. Um, do they have a do they have an item system with gold and with purchasing shit? Not not no because or so your resources like spending item is supposed to be like in influence, but it's supposed to be like you call on a favor from someone, um, 
or like you like uh, let, let, let me uh bring up the the rules real quick uh so i can give you a couple of examples because it's it's not a lot of permanent stuff um although you do you um let me uh, well, come on progression uh uh so uh you gain three influence you can spend an experience and uh you gain uh three influence uh oh no this is a story rewards thing this is so if you're in a campaign you're also supposed to give yourself an arc and when you advance the arc you get um you you get rewards as well. That's the other big. Oh, part. that's so cool! Yeah, that no, I actually awesome. like that. That's pretty neat. You know, I I actually have to say that I do. Uh, so, I've actually played in a couple of systems that don't have progression in them, like personal progression in them. And I think personal progression is something that, as a game design concept, tabletop games are a little too married to. I actually think that them being temporary is the 100% right call. This is something that was cool in a system that I played in, right? You got experience at the end of a mission, and you could use that experience, and by the way, you could very much translate this into this system, and you could use that experience to to give you kind of like temporary... Like, like in D&D terms, you would give yourself, like, temporary skill points or, like, temporary feats that would last for the next mission or, like, the next session, right? So let's say, um, so let's say you know, I'm playing, uh, uh, I'm playing Monty, right? Monty's really good at talking to people. And then the next mission is, you know, we got, we have to go, we have to go to, uh, uh, we have to go to an anarchist concert and start a fight right we need to start a fight so that the police come in and they shut down this concert right that's what we're being paid to do well i know that i'm not a very good combatant and i just got a whole bunch of experience points right so what i do is i spend those experience points and all of a sudden now i'm proficient with brawl right by an extra 30 percentage points or an extra 15 percentage points right or however much i said but at the end of that session those experience points are gone completely and also so is my brawl right but i'm also gaining new experience points to spend on future encounters and so you're constantly like leveling but also de-leveling your character uh to match the situation that you're kind of going into uh which i think would be so cool for this game so so just just uh, it, it feels right now to me this feels a little bit weak but the system that he has right now in the first draft is you will think you can spend your experience on you can spend one xp for reputation and that gives you one advantage die on a roll um on one roll right. or you can yeah. spend five to get influence from a cartel um one influence huh. and like that feels off to me because like Five XP is what you could have gotten if you, I think, hit every goal. And then you would have had five XP, one of which, like, and you'd have to have called in the favor from the Forgotten because you got one that was Forgotten specific. Um, and that feels a little bit weak to me. Like, one whole job, get, the reward is you get one influence point. That feels a little a, a little weak to me. But, um, yeah. I, I do like your idea, buddy. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what happens with the final... When the final uh, draft comes out, it does seem like the bigger thing is supposed to be um, kind of advancing your arc gives you uh, gives you more gives uh, gives you better benefits, um, including at the end uh, a way to retire your characters. Um, 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I like the idea that um, I, I actually like the idea that you have a rotating cast, like you have a stable of characters and a rotating cast of them that you can kind of draw yeah. on a little bit dynamically. I mean, the, part of this is because, like, you know, in my RP and WoW, for instance, I'm a huge altaholic and I have a whole bunch of different characters. Um, I'm very much not married to kind of like the progression of one, but uh, part of it is also I just kind of feel like the system is kind of so bare bones mechanically that it would get kind of boring to play the same specialization. cartel combo day in and day out i think you would want to kind of mix it up naturally uh in order to keep things fresh so how do you guys feel about like 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 longevity for this game where so like with pathfinder there's like so many permutations and there's so many options that it's like for anyone with any like crunch orientation even people that don't it seems like it's you know it's got a lot of staying power i mean most of us have been playing it for at least a decade and we're not even that old ish but, like, with this one, I, I just, like, I, I feel like because the options are pretty static, like, yeah, you can always tell more stories. Like, that's that's not really what I'm trying to say. But it's, like, I feel like it would get a little boring after a while. Like, I don't think this is, like, I think this is a game you can do one campaign in and then you're kind of done with the system. Interestingly kind of... enough, I think the game is as deep as the lore that gets created around it essentially yeah i mean i i I, okay like go ahead and elaborate on i think i think uh i think it'll live or die based on how cool you can make your world i think you can have a really kind of uh i think you can make make a bare bones system go really far by investing people in the world and the world being interesting and the world being compelling. And I think you need to kind of cheat in a couple of other ways, right? Like, yeah, like I think you need to have people have a rotating cast of characters and you're going to need to retire some characters and slot in new ones, right, Um, in order to keep things fresh and everything like that. But at the end of the day, the longevity of this game is like how much, how well can you build a... Uh, a story hook and scenarios for this world and these players in order to keep them invested and involved. And I mean, you know, this isn't actually super, this isn't actually as super, uh, uh, this isn't like unique to dust city outlaws. Like for instance, I think this is a principle that's happening in hell's rebels because we kind of don't really do all that much with, you know, like compared to a typical Pathfinder games, like this isn't a game that's propped up on its mechanics, right? This is a game that's propped up on the, the investment in the RP and in the storytelling in a lot of, uh, in a lot of ways. And, uh, and I think you can do that with any game in general, right? But this one, because you are intentionally saying, all right, we're not, you know, the point isn't to draw people in with a compelling, you know, system that people want to master, right? Which is, you know, when when we played Iron Gods, right, that that had a lot of like, this is a cool system and I want to be really good at it. Um, you have to you yeah, have okay. to supplement that by saying, I am going to, you know, make this world really cool, really interesting, uh, and keep people online uh, well, sure, and keep people sure, I... interested through that. Yeah, sure, I feel that, but it's like, I mean, I know Shadowrun's a game that we have, like, very mixed feelings on, and I think Shadowrun is, like, a great setting, and I, I like the mechanics a lot. I think it, they're mechanics that do lend themselves better to automation than they do to rolling, personally. But, um, I don't know, like, I think you can say that of any game. I just think that the mechanics for Dust City Outlaws are so simple that they're like, they're like vanilla ice cream. You can kind of whip them out as you need them, but, like, the gameplay and story that are tied together with it are kind of like, well, I don't know if, I don't know if I'd want to play Dust City Outlaws and Dust City for, 
I, you know, I, I, I think, I think a version of Dust City Outlaws that's played, uh, for instance, I would go crazy. I would go crazy for a Dusk City Outlaws game played in Ravnica, right? Because that's a setting, you know, like as a setting, that's such an awesome, interesting setting, right? You know what I mean? And I'm sure everybody has another setting, like you know, like Game of Thrones, right? Or you know, whatever else, right? Uh, but sure. but my point I think, is, I think even in the default setting, or so I I think the kind of key here is that I think don't think this game works as kind of like a weekly thing. If all you're doing every week is pulling a scenario out of the box and rolling something new, I think the kind of big ties in are these concepts that that granted we didn't go to, into too much detail. I don't even know if you guys know about them, but like these recurring characters that you can build and this kind of like these, these overarching plot lines. I think that's what will give the game like a campaign level longevity. Um, and I think that would, would keep drawing people in, right? Like, you know, what happened to, you know, what happened to your friend? What happens to this, like, villain who you didn't kill, but somebody decided it was worth pulling, like, putting him as, like, a known person on the sheet so that the, the, the judge can pull him in to the next heist to kind of fuck yeah, and Yeah, and I also think that you can supplement that uh, in, a very, uh, in a very strong way with kind of some macro like you can just add in a couple of macro systems to make the you know for instance the campaign starts everybody has one character right um but as the campaign rolls on you add you can slot more characters into your stable and you say that you know like maybe you can use an influence in order to you know hot hot seat you know, one of your characters in for another one of your characters. You know, like I, I think a couple of like like high level systems like that might be able to uh, might be able to really make things uh, stretch out in terms of in terms of longevity. I don't know. To me, it all lives or dies by uh, like how interesting a world is Dusk City, right? Like how compelling, um, you know, are the more detailed aspects of these cartels. Uh, of yeah, the, of I, the I city feel, map, right? All, all of that stuff. I feel like, yeah, I mean, like, I think that's cool, but it's basically like a simple premise with, like, the concepts are, you know, not one-to-one so, one so with real-world actually... crime families, but is there, like, a lot of lore that's just kind so, of behind the scenes? So there, there is a fair amount of lore, and I think it's a, a lot of it's supposed to be in one of the books that's not, um, you know, there, there's, like, there's, oh, like, a... Yeah, there's like an introduction or like an expo, like a something of Dunhaven. There's like essentially like a, a lore book that's going to come out with the full game um, that you only get a taste of in the print and play. And I, it feels like there's a lot there. Like it, like um, so the details they give you are like um, little things that are hinted at. Like there's a group of criminals that doesn't apply uh, that doesn't comply with the compact that have taken over like the south part of the city, and they're called the Blooded. And then one of the cartels isn't really criminals. They're like freedom fighters that operate at night and in, in like the the forest section of the city, which is like a, like a park section, and like little things like this. The the guards have the secret secret police called the spiders, and then the church has um, zealots that go around and harass people too. And there's this big oh, there's this big like problem or kind of like kind of, I guess it's supposed to be a problem with like the old like. The disparity between the nobles and the commoners that that causes a lot of uh, that can cause a lot of problems, and the region is a little uh, I think it's a little girl who, um, or rather the the queen the queen is a little girl um, who hasn't come of age yet because her father died under mysterious circumstances, and all this kind of stuff that I think is there, and I think when the full project comes out will be there to make Dunhaven a cool enough place to be, and, and frankly. Um, some stuff that you guys didn't even get to touch on just because it wasn't relevant to this game. So the history of this place is that it's essentially like it's it's a the pitch is like it's like 
Venice on the scale of New York, and it's set up kind of as like a New York, like the first big city in the New World. Um, so the, the first thing, one of the big things is that they built the city, and then it burned down, and then they built the city over again, and then the old city is like underneath everything. Like, you go beneath the streets, and there are like, there's like old abandoned shops down there and whatnot, and like a sewer system and like all sorts of, like an, a whole undercity down there that you can, that you can, uh, like utilize as part of like the narrative structure. I, I think the world will actually be really cool once everything, once, you know, the whole thing's published. Fair enough. I mean, Hey, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, and I hope it gets, uh, it's funny. I, I hope so, it gets kind of the love that it deserves because, uh, you know, I, it, it, you know, I think it's a very hit or miss thing. For instance, the world of shadow run is a complete whiff for me. Really? I, I was not. I mean, what? maybe it was Nick's GMing. I was not drawn in, basically at all. Did you? Was, did you not learn the lore? You I mean, I learned. I, you know, I Dunkle. learned. Uh, I learned the lore, and I was trying to get into it, but I just couldn't be fucked to like. I just couldn't make a connection uh, to any of this stuff or any of this thing. I also haven't played any of the other Shadowrun games. You know, like people always talk about the, uh, you know, the, the computer PC games, games are, uh, quite, the, are quite quite good. I think right, and so you know, maybe you know, like, which is kind yeah. of why I why I want to say like maybe it was just like that specific I, game. But I, I, I was absolutely think, yeah. not 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 drawn in, uh, and that happens. You know, and I think that happens with uh, you know like Star Trek people that can't get into Star Wars, Star Wars people that can't get into Star Trek. Right, like this is a very it's, common phenomenon uh, when it comes to. Uh, uh, when it comes to kind of fantasy, sci-fi, world-building, just stuff in general. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's uh, Dusk City Outlaws. Um, yeah. Any any final thoughts you guys had? Uh, I still haven't backed it, but I still want to. But I still haven't. I, th I, I think it's a so I think it's a solid game. I think it's good for one shots, but I I probably wouldn't want to play it for more than a few sessions. Well, I I mean I I'm excited. Um, I, I think actually talking through some of the problems I had with it would make me if so, uh, full disclosure, part of the reason we're doing this is that if, um, like they, they've got a scenario offer up where like, if, um, if you, uh, play this, if you talk about it online somewhere, they'll, uh, they'll send you a free scenario. Oof. Um, and so I'd be excited. I'd be definitely down to, to try this. I think I'm going to actually up my backer pledge from like the standard set to like the deluxe set. Oof. Um, Oof, derps play games. Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, if you get another out. scenario, one thousand percent, do I want to play? In, do I want to play in the system again? I, 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 uh, I, you know, like I said, like I probably want. I also play think we should term. probably try and find. Uh, we should probably try and find uh, a fourth. You know. Uh. Uh. But yeah. Um. So I'm excited. Hope you guys are excited. It's funded, so it will come out regardless of whether or not you you back it. But I think there's like six six days left. Really? Fuck fine let me let me dust city outlaw no i mean just uh i just you know there's four days left shit Jeez. um uh, but they are at ninety four thousand out of sixty five thousand. so well then, i mean at least it's funded maybe i'll just wait to actually buy it mm. but uh huh but um, anyway fucking our uh, weeks our weeks yeah well we played we played hell's rebels yesterday which was great it went yeah, really we, well <laughs> It went really well. Did you have to um, have fun? I was very, I was very glad. Uh, there, was very there glad was with that. So there was a a point at which, um, I felt like we had we had like kind of talked it to death, and we were. I was kind of like, let's just kind of go and do it. Um, but I 
did really enjoy like I enjoyed like ninety percent of of all of the talking that went into that. And if I had to spend a little bit more um, listening to kind of like pitches and and like 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 reangles, then I think I, I think that was fine. I really enjoyed kind of the 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 maneuvering um and kind of like the i don't know i really enjoyed kind of being like yeah well you know beauregard doesn't care he'll he'll sell anybody into slavery but uh uh no one else will and just kind of like the ability to kind of say these like really terrible things like you know like oh yeah we can just sell the beastman into slavery who cares about <laughs> right yeah I do. I did like the idea that you guys thought that you could, you know, subjugate the beastmen enough to actually enslave them. Uh. Um, that or like the other part of this that I love is like we could be like we could say that that's what's going to happen and uh, just yeah, not yeah. deliver. Yeah, like I that, that you know it's it's always it's always tough for me because um, you know like I feel like I have to tell you that that's a bad idea because I know that there would be consequence. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, look, if you make an agreement with someone and then back out of the agreement, like there are consequences to that. And I want to telegraph those consequences to you, but I also don't want to do that in a way that's like, don't do this, right? Like this isn't me GM cheating to try and convince you like, no, this isn't the way I want to, you know, like this isn't the way that I, this isn't the railroad, right? I just don't – I want to be upfront about it because the worst – what I wouldn't want to, you, to happen is this to happen and then me to say like, okay, cool. You know, now all of a sudden your government isn't solvent and you guys don't have any money to do anything, right? You know what I mean? Like yeah, that yeah. consequence would feel really bad if I didn't prep you for it a little bit. But I feel like because I have to prep you for it, it almost gets read like – I'm advocating one way or the yeah, other. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And I really, and yeah. I really don't. Like, I obviously really want my hands to be kind of off uh, from that, uh, from that kind of perspective. Um, but yeah, I was very, I was very intrigued. You know, I part of my goal in uh, part of my goal in book three, uh, especially as you guys are getting to actually taking over, uh, you know, taking over Kintargo is kind of solidifying a little bit, like some of your overall policy goals so that like once we transition into it you know i mean let's say hypothetically because this could not happen uh you guys are successful in taking over kintargo and liberating ravenel right like well what do you do from here is something that uh you know i don't want i don't want there to be blindsided to come into and so i you know and so i'm trying to seed that in but i really like the idea that you know canton jaltero is just like i want me some slaves <laughs> You guys have to deal with that. Please give me, give me, give me them slaves. Give them to me. But I, I, I was, I was impressed with our ability to kind of think of ways around that. Um, you know, just kind of like, oh, we could give him this. We could give him a state guaranteed monopoly on this. We, like, just all these alternatives that we came up with. I was, I was very happy with kind of the out of box out of the box thinking there. Yeah, I didn't actually expect this the the legal monopolies thing. That one uh the subsidies was right on the top of my mind. That was basically what, you know, he was looking for uh to a certain extent, right? Like, you know, it it, it was just like the cleanest solution to his problem. Uh, but I thought you guys might throw some of the other people under the bus, so, some of the other noble houses. Uh, or I, th I was also thinking that maybe you would uh, maybe you would promise him a whole lot of political power so that his economic power doesn't matter necessarily as much uh we kind of did that with the spy master thing that's true that's true uh that's fair um but uh yeah i mean it definitely it definitely went down hey well it went down kind of within the bounds of what i expected i suppose uh but i yeah i i, I really like it when you guys get in depth on uh 
really in depth on this stuff. I find that very interesting. Um, and uh, and now we get to move into and now we get to move into actual recruitment in the Waywatchers. Also, we did uh, you know also we did the uh, the mass combat stuff at the top of the session. Uh, not yeah. gonna lie, I'm not a huge fan of mass combat. It's kind of like a like a concept. Oof. Like I, I'm not gonna shit on anybody's parade, but like I'm I'm okay with with Beauregard not being like super. Um, like I'll, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm not going to not put effort into it, obviously, but like, I, I'm okay with that being like, like kind of like how combat really isn't my thing in this game. I'm okay with, I'm okay with like mass combat, not really being my, my focus. And if someone wants to grab the reins and be like, I'm going to be the general of the armies. I'll be like, sure you are. Rakax, go, go get him, champ. Um, uh, but you know, I, it's, uh. I don't know I I always have trouble engaging with some of these deeper systems that are kind of outside of the regular systems, right? Like at, when this came up in Kingmaker with the Kingdom Building with the Rebellion rules, um, and with any time mass combat's ever come up, it's I've kind of always been like, I just I just can't get myself as deep into it as I do with like the actual rules around the characters. Interesting. I actually feel like the rebel. I mean, I think the Rebellion rules are overall a failure. I said that on stream last night. Um, but I think that there is a version of them that is. Uh, I think we as a table kind of jettisoned them pretty quickly. Um, kind of everybody like I didn't really want to. I wasn't super interested. And I didn't really want to push it because it just kind of got in the way of my storytelling. Uh, and none of you guys really like latched onto it in a kind of meaningful or complex way. So I'm kind of glad that we've left that behind. Uh, you know, it lasted for it lasted for two books ish, uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I th there's definitely a version of that 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 is compelling. If I were a player in this game, I could see myself get like hardcore into some of these uh, some of these kinds of rule sets. But as a GM, they just feel so cumbersome. Uh, and kind of antithetical. It's why it's why I'm explicitly not, you know, like making any kind of kingdom building rules for if you guys take control of Ravenel and what that looks like, right? You know, like I just I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that in the fucking slightest. Makes sense. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, we didn't play Rune Lords. Uh, what 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 yeah. video game arenas? I mean, I, I was on vacation. Oh, that's true. Oof. Well, you also haven't been on the show in a while, so how has your, uh, I don't know, couple of months been, Mark? Any... Uh, it's been good. You know, I played through Until Dawn with Flo, been playing some Bloodborne. Uh, I got the Bloodborne card game, which was pretty exciting. Let's see, what else? Um, I played through a bunch of Dishonored 2. Love it. Excellent game. Highly recommend. Uh, I'm still sitting on Witcher 3 and Deus Ex. I will also probably be buying uh, Near Automata when it comes out. You know, US. I never finished Deus Ex. Which sucks. I, like it. I, I really liked it. it. I really liked it as much as I played. But then, like, it kind of just coincided with, I guess, me getting, like, kind of uh, back on, like, the WoW train really hardcore. I don't really know how that happened. But, yeah, man, I, I really, I, I I really enjoyed what I played of uh, Deus Ex so he, far. A band kind divided. Yeah. I'm, I'm, like, waiting to finish up a couple of Dishonored playthroughs before I switch to Mankind Divided. It's like The Witcher that's really hard for me to get into. It's like, there's almost too much. The like, mm, Yeah, that's interesting. Also, it's it, the, the weird thing about The Witcher is it doesn't feel like a huge departure from what I'm, I'm like, already playing. And, uh, like, wow. Yeah, or, you know what I mean? Like, a big open-world fantasy RPG. 
<laughs> yeah, I think, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I really liked The Witcher 2, and The Witcher 3 is, like, really good-looking. It's, Oof. like, I just... I couldn't get into The Witcher 2 at all. I bought I it for $2, and I was like, well, it was really... my 45 minutes of playtime is enough. <laughs> I I really liked it. It gets, like, it's it has such a slow start, and I'm kind of feeling like The Witcher 3 has that, but, like... The Witcher it, 3 has, like, like the intro area is, like, maybe, like, eight hours long. Oh. Um, like, how, long, like, how long is it? Like, 80 hours? Something like it's like I think a hundred hours place plus like blood and wine's like another thirty or forty. Really? Like, have you uh, have you that's... have you started playing it? Uh, so, um, I tried about maybe six months ago, and I got like I got past the opening area. I got some really cool stuff in like the f- well the first area after the opening area, and then I kind of dropped it. And now I I picked it up again, and I played like fifteen minutes of it, and. I was I was like I'll get back to this and then I've been playing for honor. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like I, I just like I don't know like I think what like WoW is in a weird spot for me where it's like I feel like I'm compelled to play but like I'm just not accomplishing very much and I almost feel like I should be playing like other games. Oh, see, I just but well it, I just brought Gonder to level one ten and I'm getting him uh, and so I like I you know I have four level 110 characters you, right you now people with your alts yeah i i love i love alts and i love my alts and i'm making so much money now and now that i can use it on battle net balance i have like 500,000 gold now and i'm just like sitting on it like what, the fuck, what do i buy uh, you know c- certain things like i have the steelbound harness the the boe mount uh, the bind on equip oh, mount that it. drops off of uh, tychondrius and you know i was one of the first people on the server to have that kill um, so I was one of the first people on the server to have it up, uh, humble brag. Um, the, uh, uh you should also, you should send, send me your herbs that way I can like convert them to old wars cause I have a proc now. Oh, I anyway. did. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. I mean, you know, so I have, you know, I, I, I literally leveled Gondor to 110 just because I knew I wanted to start tome switching in the middle of raids in order to get better parses. <laughs> um, and oh, wow. uh, uh, and so I was just, and so I was just leveling his inscription. And I was like, all right. When I learned the tome recipe, but you don't learn the tome recipe until you get one ten. I was like, well, now you best I get you know you know now I better get all the Vantis runes just in case I ever need Vantis runes, right? Um, yeah. So, well, anyway. Plus, um, I can do four. I can do the order hall gold missions on all four characters. Oh, uh, those are those are pretty good. So pretty fucking lucrative. You're, yeah, I think. Um, Right now, I'm just sort of, like, waiting to finish up Rune Lords, and, you know, we're almost there. Yeah, I'm very interested to see, uh, I think it would be actually pretty cool, see, it sucks that Dusk City Outlaws doesn't come out, for, like, for real for however many months, right, like, ten months, uh, because I think it would be a great kind of middle, you know, to play for, you know, on and off for however many weeks, uh, on, in that Monday, in that Monday time slot, yeah, I think um, I think right now what I'm just trying to do is like I do want to end like I do want to end Rune Lords, but I think the momentum's kind of gone out of it, which is sort of sad. But we'll have like I'm sure we'll be able to dissect that on like the end game cast. Yeah, Mango, Mango and I have talked about that a little bit uh, on the cast. Like it almost kind of feels like everybody knows the end is coming, and we're just kind of like in a weird way like going through the motions yeah. to get there. 
Yeah, um, I'm thinking about like just kind of honestly, like I'm thinking about like when you get to the end of the dungeon, just poof you into the final boss area and call it a day. Yeah, I think I, you know, I think that there might be a good argument for kind of uh, you know like scheduling yeah. uh, like a Saturday or something down the line and saying like, okay, big we're going to the end. Big, yeah, ending, ending shebang. And I'll, I can of, I can uh, always save like what I did for Magnum R for later. I can always put that in a different campaign, which is fine. So we'll see. That makes you a bigger man than me. I would never be able to do that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, like a lot of my stuff, I just save between campaigns. Like I cut, I cut probably like forty percent of the content I make, which it, which is like, and then like it's still a slog. So take that as you will. <laughs> you know, actually thinking about it, that's actually kind of. I do cut a lot of content. There was actually so Bengal, you will like this. I I cut a whole subplot in book two. You won't like this uh, for your character. Uh, because it just, it didn't fit the pace. I, I had intended to introduce it, but it just kind of, it took so long and the pacing was so crisp as it was, uh, you yeah, know, like with that priority, work. those three things. And I was just like, I, you know, I want to fit this in. It's like, it was like a quick, like one, two, three session subplot, but it was all about, uh, kind of like noble house drama in the city. And I was just like, you know what? And I, so I, I did, I cut that out entirely. Uh, and then I cut so brutally with fucking Paizo material that, you know, yeah, but Paizo, I don't keep any of that. stuff can be, can be good or, or, or not. Okay. Well, thanks for having me on the cast guys. It was real nice. Um, looking forward to running what comes after room boards. I assume that's, a, are we having a Jimmy game? Is that like, do we want to announce that? I, I have no idea. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. No, in the let's not. Let's not. Yeah. Let, let's. Yeah. Let's not obligate anybody to I anything. Actually, maybe hot. that's a good way to do it. To like kick up. You know, do it, Jimmy. <laughs> we announced it on the podcast. <laughs> now you have to make us not liars. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, anyway, thanks for coming on the cast, Mark. Uh, see you next time. Um, Bango, tell me about For Honor. I'm very interested to see what or to hear what your first week of play was like. So, um, I've been, I've been almost, I think I've actually entirely exclusively been playing Shigoki just because I love, I love that fat man so much. It's Shigoki, uh, the super heavy Japanese guy. Yeah. With the okay. big club. Okay. Um, I'm not super good at the game, but I'm, I'm, I'm learning. Um, and it's, it's, it's just, so I can't, I, I feel like I, I can only play it for like an hour, hour and a half or so before I start to get kind of tired of it. Um, I think that would be helped if there were other people playing, but it's not a problem that there aren't. Um, maybe I could convince my roommate to play on the PC instead of the PS4. Um, but uh, it's it's uh, it's it's got like a kind of like it's the same type of way I play like like regular like uh, regular traditional fighting games. It's like you know play for a little while, get into it. I think I'll maybe maybe I should dive into the duels and the um. And the uh, and the, the the twos more. Um, I actually haven't played them at all. I've only been playing Dominion and, and Elimination, um, and I, that part of that is because the daily quests have been for those modes, and I can't decide if the daily quests are a good thing or not. Because on the one hand, it's nice to have an ability to kind of like uh, have a slightly easier way to gain the currency, which is how you unlock some of the advanced outfits. It, it's like um, it's 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 like League of Legends, except you can buy the cosmetics with. Uh, um, with, with in-game currency, and then you can also play all the heroes uh, without unlocking them. You just can't customize them. Um, but uh, it's... Uh, 
Um, it, and it, it's, I feel like by not playing the duel and the brawl modes, which are the one in the two player modes, um, that I'm, that I'm kind of missing a, a big part of the game because they're so concentrated. Like the eliminations kind of get there, but they also can be like a giant clusterfuck because sometimes people just decide they're not going to fight you and they run away. Um, and the minion, the minion is interesting in its own right because, um, uh, it, it's got like, I, I like the way, like, you know, if someone runs away with you, then you just stand on the point, but it also feels, it feels a little bit more frenetic and less about like, like in a duel, in a 1v1 duel, you're facing someone down and it's about how well you can fight that person, um, in a very kind of skilled way. Whereas in, in, in Dominion, especially there's a lot of times when it's like, you know, I managed to catch someone off guard or like, you know, I'm running in on somebody who's already engaged in a duel. I'm pulling some cheesy shit off. Um, and that's fun, but it's also not as satisfying, if that makes sense. Fair enough. That's uh, that's kind of interesting. Um, how uh, how do you feel about the game's uh, balance so far? Are you seeing like a pretty equal distribution of all the different characters and heroes? Um, I don't think it's equal, but so I don't find see anything that I think is super unbalanced. Um, I, I read things that suggest that things that people get frustrated with things. Apparently, people get frustrated with my class a lot because of some of the things it can do. What What um, are the things that your class can do? So, uh, so one of the big things is that he like the Shigoki um, breaks a kind of the a, a, one of the, one of the biggest paradigms, which is um, I, I saw this a lot in the single player mode because I, I actually had trouble against Shigokis in the single player mode, um, but not uh, I just haven't seen as many in the multiplayer mode. So the way I kind of tend to tend to deal with things is like um and when someone's throwing a heavy i try and throw a light especially on the faster classes um and interrupt their heavy swing but the shigoki has the the um kind of uninterruptible stance so i'll hit them with i have to hit them with two lights and i'm not fast enough to do that until he'll swing through and like kind of own me um and i think that throws a lot of players off because it's just a very different way to play okay um, the the other thing is that he's got this is i call it the golf swing um he can launch people pretty far, and in a game with ringouts, that can be kind of frustrating. And he also I has. Have, I have heard a lot and seen a lot of people talk about the prevalence of ringouts as a way to kill people. Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of like low key, like the kind of like it's cheap. Stop throwing me out of the ring. I love it. I love it so much. I love being like <laughs> every time it happens. Um. I think the other the, the other thing that the Shigogi can do is that if he is at critical health, he's got this grab move that will one hit KO someone. Gotcha. Um, if he misses, he'll take a bunch of damage. And he will, he'll never kill himself. But it'll be like strong breeze will kill him level, and it's really hard to land. But I think a lot of people don't know about it. Maybe because like like you know I'll pull it off, and somebody will be like, "Oh, what the fuck." Um, it's also a great move to pull off on people who are engaged with somebody else. Oh, interesting. I could definitely see how that would make, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, what, what is the hardest, uh, what would you say the hardest, uh, like foe for the Shugoki to fight is? Um, the hardest foe, huh? I'd say probably any of the assassin classes cause they're fast enough. They can, in, they, they can shed his armor and attack him. Um, and it's a little bit harder to, uh, to power through. I also feel like anybody who could really drain his stamina quickly would be, um, uh, would, would be like, he has stamina problems already. So like law, Lawbringer has a lot of ways to like, 
bring down stamina so I could I feel like that could be a problem. I haven't played against a lot of bringers, so I couldn't tell you. But oh, really? I find um yeah, I I think one, I think it's a technical class in the first place, and two, like the kind of conventional wisdom on the subreddit is that it's not very good right now. So I think in the same kind of way that like people like people involved avoid playing the off meta heroes because everybody says so. Um, there are less people playing Lawbringer. Fair enough. Um, um, but I, I think I find myself... I also think it, it just kind of isn't, like, a popular fantasy in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. Like, it's not, it's not like the, the, the weebs that, that all get to play their weeb characters or anything. Well, or what like, is, what is, I, I, I don't know specifically. Like, what is the fantasy of playing the Lawbringer? Like, what do they do? What's their hook? Uh, so so they're, a, they're a knight with a polearm. Um, <laughs> and, okay. and, like, I mean, I, I mean, a very basic level, like... That's cool, but, like, I think there's a lot more people who care about, like, the sword guy who is the warden, or, like, the flail and shield guy. Uh, yeah, uh, I've seen that people think the warden is actually pretty easy. Uh, um, the warden's like. supposed to be easy. He's also one of the more offensive heroes in the... Like, the the meta is very defensive, um, and the warden is one of the few characters that can afford to be offensive because some of their moveset. But again, I also don't think that that's actually relevant. Most of the time, I think it's kind of like, oh, this is, this is how the game is. And people just kind of are like, oh, I'm good enough for this to apply to me. And then you're not. Um, um, and myself included, I'm not saying that I'm, I, I just, you know, I can win duels with people by being aggressive, even though I really shouldn't be. Um, because that's just the way it goes sometimes. Uh, but uh, I've, I feel, I still think I've got a lot of ways to go with it to kind of improve my uh, my technique and whatnot. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I'm I'm interested. Uh, I you know I don't I don't have any plans on picking up For Honor at any time in the you know immediate future. But yeah, I it 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 is very much on the world's head. So I'm keeping up with the scuttlebutt as much as I possibly can. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, did, uh, have, have you done, did you ever figure out what game you wanted to talk to me about last week, but didn't get around to? No, I, I don't remember. Uh, Uh, anything you've been doing that you want to talk about besides, uh, World of Warcraft or in World of Warcraft, if you want to talk about it. Yeah, you know, not, uh, not particularly. I mean, I've been playing like a ton of, ton of, uh, of World of Warcraft. I do intend to, uh, I, one of my things I want to pick up is, uh, I want to pick up the Banner Saga 2. Uh, and part of me wants to do a Mass Effect 3 playthrough before Andromeda comes out. Uh, though I haven't even thought, like, I I, I have to, like, pre-order that and everything. Um, <clears throat> uh, just to have, like, a... Uh, oh, I've, to... I've got a question for you. What do you think of the... Uh, I'm not going to call it a controversy because it seems very minor, even for the people who think that it's they, they look bad. What do you think about the uh, the face models on, on, on the... Mass Effect stuff. People is that have been a controversy? Them a... I have been it's, it's aggressively not really avoiding everything. Info? Yeah, I mean, you know, a little bit from the, you know, a little bit from the perspective of like I don't want spoilers, but kind of mostly from the perspective of like I really want this to be out, and like it's just going to make me hungrier for it. It's not going to. It needs to be out of sight, out of mind. Otherwise, I'm just gonna like kill myself with anticipation. Um, I get that. Um, so I, I haven't been paying attention to any of that kind of stuff or that controversy at all. Uh, so if, you know, it, it, it's I, again, controversy is a little bit too strong of word. People, people look at the models and like, this model is pretty ugly and people are like, yeah, that model is pretty, pretty ugly. And then there's been some talk about like why that might be. And like how, like people are saying that the older models looked better. 
Interesting. Okay. Um, wow. Um, and, and not in like I don't think they mean in like kind of like a technical, but like, like in Uncanny Valley-ish kind of way, maybe. No, 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 not even that. Just kind of like it looks like an ugly person. I think, although the, the features are a little bit off. I think, um, it's it's it doesn't really look like the person it was based off of, um, which is like uh, it's 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 some model that I can't remember. Um, like it, it's a person you've heard of, I think, or or um. But it's it, like again, I want to stress it's not really a controversy. Just people be like, "Huh, that looks, that looks bad." I huh. wonder why it looks so bad. Fair enough. Um. But uh, yeah. Um. Did you have anything else you want to talk about? No, no. I uh, that was uh, you know, solid. That was good. All right. Uh, well, uh, I don't have anything else either. So, uh, if you want to email us, you can email us at somedirtsplaygames at gmail you can watch us on twitch.tv slash games. You can find us on all of the different stores, and you can talk to us on Twitter. See the links in the description. Um, please comment, and uh, please rate us on iTunes if you can. Um, that, it, that's, uh, that'll help us out, I guess. It helps our metrics. Um, and so uh, let's, let's get good metrics. Maybe, maybe, we'll get, maybe if uh, people review it, We'll get to some more eyes, and iTunes will be like, oh, boy, we can show you to the world. Yay. Um, but uh, that's it. Um, uh, duh. I guess uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.